Welcome to Conversations About Life. And I'm happy to be here with Jeff Kozaitek. It's really easier to say um, juggling Jeff. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I was first introduced to Jeff at um, the Shakespeare Festival that takes place every year at Forest Park in St. Louis. And he's known there as Juggling Jeff. And we've enjoyed Jeff's performances quite a bit over the years. He's well known and well thought of by my family. Um, Recently, I was at a meeting where Jeff was the speaker, and I found out that he does quite a bit more than juggling. I knew he was into acting and some other things. But he's also a speaker and an author, and Jeff has written a book titled Blueprint for Value, uh, 52 Habits to Discover and Strengthen Your Personal Worth. I'll provide a link in the show notes. And Jeff is also a coach, I'm assuming a business and life coach? Yes. Okay. And uh, something that seems important to him is helping people understand their intrinsic value as a person rather than trying to obtain value through money or success Mm -hmm. and things like that. Is that pretty close to your your topic, Jeff? That is is the foundational piece for all of my speaking topics and my coaching. Okay. Is there anything else you'd like to add to your introduction, just to, you know, allow people to... (laughs) Anything I missed? Uh, No, no. uh, That guy sounds great. I like like that guy. Um, Yeah, I guess... I would sum it up and say that I'm, uh, I am an artist and entrepreneur and a student of human behavior. And so mm. that, that drives most of what I do. A student of human behavior. Like yeah. what, does, what do you mean by that? I like figuring out what makes people tick, why they do what they do, and why they don't do what they want to do. Um, it's something that drove me in my acting career. Uh, I took a lot of psychology and sociology classes, a lot of communication classes, and spent a lot of time just observing people, just watching watching them work. And uh, people are fascinating. <laughs> like, uh, tell me about that. Like, oh, do people do what they want to do, or I mean, um, why do people do what they do, or what what do you find interesting about that? It, it, that's a that's a that's a really deep question there, Mister Will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, I, for me, I wanted to understand why why people did what they did because I thought it would make me a better actor. You know, I mean, if you understand the motivation, then you know, crafting a a, a character would be easier. But then I started noticing, as an entertainer, was my uh, juggling career took off. And I did more performances and and things like that. I noticed that my audience. Uh, how, how do I say this? As an entertainer, I've been able to cross a lot of social boundaries that a lot of people don't get to cross. Mm-hmm. And no matter where I've been, everybody has to answer two fundamental questions. That's what is their worth, and where does that come from? And how we answer those questions have uh, huge implications for us personally and professionally. And so I find that uh, a lot of times, you know, you'll want to do something, but if your value is, is perceived as down or lacking, 
um, or if you think that your your worth is tied to something outside of yourself, uh, it changes how you act. You know, and so although you might want to do A, you'll choose B because you think it's uh, it might get you something, or it might keep people from noticing something about yourself. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah, um, we'll probably come back to like the personal <laughs> worth um, type of thing. Um, so, um, you know, I w- I've been reading your book lately, and I've been enjoying it. And um, habit number one is knowing what your core values are and living according to them. So, so Jeff, what are your core values? My core values are creativity, fun, loyalty, and communication. And from that, our values pretty much drive our actions. And we use values in my coaching to get down to the core of who a person is. And if if you've got a set of values that say communication is really important and you're in a work environment where you want to ask questions and, and connect, but the work environment or that culture says... You know, you just do what I say, and and don't ask questions. Then, then you're going to struggle because they're the the culture values don't align with your personal values, and and, and you're going to have some issues there. Or how we define those values. For me, uh, my value of communication says I need to ask until I understand, <laughs> and not stop asking until I reach understanding. Uh, somebody else's values. M- on say they value trust for them if I ask them a question about something that they've told me they might perceive that as uh, me not trusting uh, their due dil- their due diligence so they're like how, how dare you ask questions you know I value trust you should trust me but I value trust but I also value communication and so I think understanding our values can help us better understand each other and how to get along. Okay. Hmm. So it's a little bit like your core values is kind of like a description of your personality somewhat? Uh, I, I would say that the, the personality comes from your core values. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, the, it's the driver hmm. behind that. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, you know, I, I, I've picked up on, you know, just from hearing you speak, that you are a Christian. Um, how did you get... S- <laughs> Reluctantly. <laughs> Initially. Now, now, very, very thankful for that. How did you get started in your Christian faith? Well, there I was. <laughs> I grew up in the divine science faith, which is um, more closely aligned with the Eastern religions and uh, Hinduism and Buddhism. Uh, they, they would preach from... Uh, a lot of uh, sacred religious texts. They'd preach from the Bhagavad Gita. They might preach something from the Quran. They preach from the Bible um, and and various other texts. And they would look at. And this was your family uh, family's faith. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I see. And um, and they would look at uh, Jesus as as a prophet, not the savior. Hmm. And so. Like that. That's what I grew up in. I saw a lot of uh, interconnectedness. Uh, uh, across, you know, math and science and relationships and, and art. And um, it was a really big part of my childhood. 
Uh, so much so, I actually gave uh, a couple sermons while I was still in high school at the church. And then anytime I ran up against a, a Christian, <clears throat> uh, I really struggled because most of the Christians that I knew uh, were very judgmental. They, they condemned uh, me and, and my actions. Um, and then they would turn around and, and live a very hypocritical life. And I thought, well, if you're trying to convert me to your way of thinking, this is, this is not the way to do it because you're not, you, you, you don't seem to really care about me. You care more about your, your rules and regulations when it comes to me, but then when it comes to the way you live your life, you just throw them out. So I don't, I don't understand. So I grew up uh, very anti-Christianity. Uh, uh, however, um, I was a part of a, a business that had non-denominational uh, Sunday worship services. And so I went to a few of those. And uh, along the way, they had various altar calls. And at one point, a, a Christian told me, well, Jeff, your, your business isn't growing because your faith is wrong, <laughs> which, which felt great. But I thought, okay, well, if, if that's all I need, if that's the piece of the puzzle, then sure, we'll go do that. And I started doing altar calls. And eventually I had collected yeah, a good 15 New Testament Bibles in, in various colors. <laughs> I think we had brown and, and green and red. And, and they were all pristine because I never, I never opened them. But I did do the altar calls. So I thought, well, my business should be working. Unfortunately, uh, nothing really changed with my business. And nobody, nobody came up to me and said, Jeff, the business isn't working because you're, you're 18. And, and you need to get some more life experience before this type of business will grow. And you fast forward, some other things happened. And... Uh, and then I found myself at a Billy Graham crusade in 99. And at that, uh, he had another altar call. And I thought, this is ridiculous. Christians and their, and their darn altar calls. <laughs> but I thought, okay, we're, we're, we're going to have this out with God. And I said, look, God, if, if you're going to move in my life, you need to do that now. Because I'm, I'm, I'm out of space for new New Testaments. <laughs> like... I'm good. I don't need any more of those. Um, I, I don't know what else you need from me. I keep showing up, and and nothing's changing. I don't get it. This is it. Last last call, and then and then I'm out. And so I got up, and it was at the, uh, I guess they call it the TWA dome at the time. And I start walking down the stairs, and I thought, oh well, it's 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 tears. Everybody's crying. I need to cry. We should we should work up some tears. That's what I'm missing. But that didn't really do a whole lot. But then I started to realize, uh, for me, a big part of my, my divine science faith was that there was no separation between man and God. And that uh, we looked at Jesus and said, oh, well, here, he says, you know, you can do all things that I do and more. So I thought this whole notion of nobody's perfect was just a, uh, a justification so that you could, you could make mistakes. And I thought, that's ridiculous. I will prove to everybody that it is possible to be perfect and not make any mistakes, which, which is very delusional. <laughs> and so as I was walking down the stairs, that came right in front of my face. And I thought, oh, um, I, I am making mistakes. I'm making a lot of mistakes. I've hurt a lot of people. 
and uh, some on purpose and, and a lot not on purpose. And, and it was as if in that moment Jesus said, hey, uh, you, can, you can give that to me. I can take that. Uh, I want to take that for you. And, and in that moment, I, I physically felt lighter as, as if I took a pack off of my back and handed that to him. Hmm. And, and then everything changed from there. And so from that moment to, to today, uh, I continue to grow and, and uh, learn more about him and how to better love other people. And uh, that includes changing how I see myself. Hmm. Um, let me know if you want to get out of the sun. It just kind of came out and, you know. I'm okay. good. All right. I'm good. <laughs> Thank you. You know, you were talking about um, wanting something to change and it not changing. At first you mentioned your business doing better. Was there something else you were looking for when you were responding to altar calls? You know, what kind of change were you looking for? Uh, I The change was really really about the business. I just wanted, I wanted my business to work. Somebody said, this is what you needed to do. And so I wanted that to happen. Um, I, I was also coming out of a, a mindset that said my value came from what I did. And so everything for me was all about what I was doing. So I was just looking for something to help me do more, be more uh, effective and productive in that way. Um, also, at the time, I was taking a world religions class in uh, college because I was asking deeper questions of the faith that I grew up in, and I was getting frustrated with the answers, and some of the answers didn't seem to really hold up and seemed very, um, very flimsy. And so I was actively looking for other solutions that were, that were out there. Hmm. Well, what gave you confidence in the Christian faith more than what you were in or something else that you could have turned to? Confidence in the Christian faith. Or what gives you confidence in it now that it's not, that it's something true and not just, um, you know, a man-made religion? Uh, for me, well, <laughs> I don't know many people that would, that would choose this deliberately just for fun. Um, so it doesn't seem like uh, if you're going to make up a religion, I don't know why you would ever make up a religion like like this. Um, for me, my my confidence comes from the way I've seen God work in my life, uh, both before conversion and and after. And so looking back, I can see, oh, well, this is how this is how God used art in my life here and here, and this is how even though I was really frustrated and felt like I, I was lacking a lot of experiences and, and resources, God was actually protecting me over here and providing other resources over here and over here. And so it was a, it was a perspective shift through, through the lens of Christ. Uh, since then, God continues to work through my life. And um, <laughs> if, it, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be married today. That, that would be a really big... A really big confidence booster because um, three years into our marriage, this feel like we're going down a rabbit hole, but uh, three years into our marriage, my, my wife and I were at an impasse. Uh, I thought we were going to move back to Los Angeles and have a family out there, and she fully intended to stay here in St. Louis. 
And so we were at we were at odds and did not know how to find a middle ground. And a friend of ours uh, had suggested counseling, which led to uh, the counselor asking us to pray about it every night. Not that I go to her side or she come to my side, but that we would come together in Christ and that Christ would, would show us where to go. And we did that. We prayed every night for three weeks. And after after three weeks of, of prayer, I woke up one morning and and I said, I said, babe, I, I know where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be in St. Louis. And she said, really? Because I've been looking up apartments in L.A. that take dogs and she turned the laptop around like, see, it's right there. It was, it was the coolest moment because we had finally stopped being two individuals with two separate um, visions. Now we were able to come together as a team and say, okay, well, what, what does one flesh really mean? Where are we going to go as a, as a couple? Where, where is God taking us? And have an honest conversation uh, from that perspective. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe if, if you take... If you take God out of my life, if you take Christ out of my life and his teachings, uh, I, I lose my marriage and so, so much more. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But and, and I would also say that I use that in the context of, of my performing, too. Um, I mean, Christ teaches me to, to be generous and, and to be loving and, and to serve other people. I think prior to coming to Christian faith... Um, I I was I didn't know it at the time, but I was very judgmental and I was very protective of what I had, and I didn't share well. And um, and now now I do. Now I share more. I I, I have a, a lot more growth to do in that area, and I'm really thankful for my wife because uh, she really balances me out and and helps teach me more. But I I don't know if I would if I would be that without him. Is your family still in the, um, I forgot what you call it, the divine, divine science? science religion? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. My, my parents are, I, I don't know about my brother, and uh, I am not. Right. <laughs> well, your book, you know, is about strengthening your personal worth. Um, yeah. How does your Christian faith impact your own personal worth? So when I'm reading the Bible and the Bible says that we're all created in God's image, that's a pretty big deal. You know, I mean, I'm looking at you and I'm seeing a, a reflection of God, not, not, not a mistake, not somebody that is lacking something, but I'm, I'm seeing an image bearer of, of God in every single person that I see, whether they, whether they know Christ, acknowledge Christ, hate Christ, it doesn't. That doesn't change the fact that they've been created in his image. Uh, that has amazing value. The fact that we've been uh, fearfully and wonderfully made, amazing value. The fact that we've been all created on purpose for a purpose, <laughs> amazing value. The fact that we've all, you know, and those purposes are all designed w- w- with such. Um, attention to detail that we all fit into God's larger story in a way that only you can and the way that only I can immense value you put all that together and and <laughs> that's that's pretty impressive so i believe that our intrinsic value you know put there by god can't be lost 
can't be stolen, and can't be increased. Boom, there it is. But our perception of that can change on a moment-to-moment basis. And and for me, that's where I believe Satan loves to do most of his, uh, his dirty work. And I think you can clearly see that outlined in the way that he comes after Christ. Um, specifically, in, uh, when, when he meets Christ out in the desert and says, you know, if you are the son of man, turn these rocks into, into bread. The idea that he gets somebody to doubt themselves and then to think that they need something that they don't and then to get them to think they have to make it happen because nobody else is going to give it to them. I, I feel like that that play is run over and over and over again, and um, it's why I wrote the book because I believe, you know, we need to start seeing ourselves the way God sees us. I mean, it's why Christ did His thing on the cross. He was like, "You have value. We need to restore you back to factory settings. I'm doing this, and now we're going to sanctify you until you die. That's that's the goal." You know, it, it does it does it mean that we're uh, we're going to be perfect? No, um, that we'll, we'll still make mistakes. We'll still have behaviors that are not becoming of of, of God. And he'd be like, you know, that I, I hurt to see you do that, but it doesn't change our value. Mm-hmm. So uh, to to help stand up in, in the face of all these messages that say we're not enough or we're lacking or. Uh, you need to do more, and it's 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 all you. Nobody else is going to do this for you. Uh, I, I wrote the book to come up with 52 habits to help remind people, you know, some really things to keep us back on track in line with our intrinsic value. So I talk about a PWA, uh, a personal worth account. That's your perception. That that goes up and down. The your intrinsic value doesn't. But we want to keep the the PWA high. Keep your per- personal worth account high. Because when you see when you see value in yourself, you're more likely to see that in somebody else. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't see how we can uh, specifically talking to Christians. I don't see how we can love on other people unless we recognize uh, uh, the value that everybody has because of our Creator. I think if if we're coming at this from a place of of lack, then then we immediately we try to fill that gap either by uh, earning more stuff, defending and justifying and puffing up the stuff that we have or uh, attacking other people and bringing them down. But if we're full, there's no need to earn. There's no need to defend. There's no need to attack. Um, and and there's every reason to give, <laughs> to serve, and, and to love and, and be present. Has there been um, any um, difficult things in your life that though you wish they weren't there, they've been used in some good way? Anything you'd like to (laughs) that comes to mind? Hmm. Well, the marriage thing in particular was was really tough. Uh, I mean, at that moment, I'd really questioned whether or not uh, I had made the right choice, and and that was that was difficult because I had a lot of friends say, "Oh, Jeff, you're you belong in L.A.," and they they had really good intentions, but it was it made my marriage really difficult because it was 
they were like little wedges trying to separate the two of us. I would not like to go through that again. <laughs> but on the other hand, I'm really thankful for that time because it, it really taught me about expectations. It taught me about how to love my wife. It taught me, it, well, it was the beginning of many lessons uh, that I will learn about leaving behind uh, being an individual and really embracing and growing uh, the team that is my, my wife and I. Um, as far as other other challenges, there are a lot, but I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how we could talk about one of those really clearly and concisely. Uh, when my oldest son, when, when my wife got pregnant with him, um, I was at a spot where my personal worth account was really, really low. And uh, I didn't think that I was old enough uh, or mature enough or wise enough to have uh, a child. I thought that's for other people that are in their 40s or 50s. <laughs> not, not a late 20s person. Or at least not me, and um, and that when I realized that I was going to be a father, whether I I wanted to at that point or not, uh, I had a choice to make, and I thought that well, how can I how can I teach my son how to live and 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 how to work uh, if I'm struggling with these areas? So I thought I don't have to have it all figured out, but I should commit myself to growing and starting to make some more healthy choices and so that was um, I often credit him as for turning me into the man that I always wanted to be but couldn't get to on my own hmm. I mean he really before he was born he laid it on the line mm-hmm. I'm very very thankful for that hey, by the way um, what was pulling you to LA when you were younger uh, acting okay acting that's where it happens or yeah uh, so so growing up I, I received two basic messages message number one was uh, find something you love to do and make that your job and I love art and people um, so so acting fit right in uh, the other message that I received um, accidentally or not on purpose was that I don't have value uh, unless I do something. So I saw the, uh, a lot of backs of people's heads. Uh, unless I performed well in school or I performed well um, on stage or did something with my art uh, or, or performed well in sports. Then people paid attention and all of a sudden I was worth people's time and interest. But if you take all that away, it, it seemed like nobody really wanted to hang out <laughs> or really pay me any attention. So I learned... Uh, really quickly that if I was going to have value I needed to do something and I learned acting was a great vehicle for that because people would sit down in a theater for two hours and watch a play and then afterwards clap unless they were, I mean it was rude not to (laughs) you know and then afterwards people come up and talk to you in the hallways and lobby and and that felt really good And, and to have everybody looking at me for two hours felt really good the applause felt great. Getting the affirmation with uh, laughter after a joke felt amazing. Mm-hmm. So I 
totally went down the road of entertainment seeking value and, and worth. And for me, uh, you, you can't be a film actor in, in St. Louis unless you're, <laughs> unless you're in one of the families uh, or have lots of money and can buy your way in. You need to be on the coast. You need to be in Vancouver. You need to be in anywhere else other than the middle of, of the U.S., and so that took me out to L.A. And um, so the idea of staying in St. Louis with my wife was essentially, uh, if I can be dramatic, it was death. I mean, that was me. Mm-hmm. So if I stay here, well, then what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, was, that, was, that was very difficult. <laughs> and, and also, I'm really thankful for that because had I not met my wife, uh, I might still be in L.A. pursuing something that will never be enough. Right. Or driving trucks. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah, I, I know I suggested um, sitting out here because I thought it would be quieter. <laughs> <laughs> so this might be like a, a couple of different questions. You could just choose what... How, whatever direction you want to go in, but you know, is there anything in your life that you find particularly challenging, like right now, or like what is it that you're pursuing or um, trying to remind yourself of every day? Does it have to do with you know your personal worth, or is it something else that you know you just tr- try to keep on the forefront of your your mind as you you know go throughout each day? Uh, Seth Godin wrote a book called The Icarus Deception, and in that he talks about how people are not their art. You're the artist, you're not the art. Uh, Tony Robbins talks about people not being their behaviors. Um, I would say that's, that's fundamentally probably my biggest struggle and challenge. And I, and I see that um, across all of humanity. We often look at somebody and say, oh, well, that's, that's the problem child. Or that person is, um, she's always late to work. Or he's always starting something. Or she's always gossiping. Uh, remembering that that our behaviors come from who we are but don't define us um, is something that I need to be reminded of every day personally Uh, because when we're able to do that when we're able to separate ourselves from our art from our behavior then we can we can take on feedback and not take it personal we can we can grow Uh, when we when we separate that we can take risks and push the boundaries and try new things, make mistakes and not be destroyed. We can learn from those and, and continue to move forward or or change directions. Uh, there's a lot of freedom in that. Uh, I think when we're when we're interacting with other people, if we want to love them, if we want to support them, if we want to serve them, uh, it's important to remember that the behavior is is all a, a learned response to either. Uh, gain pleasure or avoid pain, but it's it, it's not who fundamentally who the person is, and so I think for me having more than thirty plus years of uh, of building <laughs> neural pathways in my brain that say you are not enough unless you do this, and that your value is tied to your image and how people see you. Uh, those those neural pathways are still pretty thick, and so I've been rewriting those for the last five to six years. But that takes that takes time, and it's really easy to default 
and go back to the old way of thinking. And so it's one of the reasons why I wrote the book, because I need reminders. I need to hold myself accountable and stay in fellowship, stay in the Word, spend time in prayer to, to remind myself that I, I do have value, that I am worth something, so that when I look out and I see other people, I can see the same thing in them. So the, the value, it's not um, based on accomplishments, but it's based on um, just who you are as God's creature, made in his image, yeah. and um, loved by him. And I guess what we do comes out of that, but that's, but that's still that intrinsic value in every person is not based on how well they're doing or how they're performing and so forth. Right. I, I often talk about a, a value meter on a scale of 1 to 10. 10 being full and 1 being, oh my gosh, where's the gas station, right? 10 is where where we're at all the time. 10 is where God sees us. 10 is, 10 is where every single person is, regardless of how they feel. But our, but our feelings and our perceptions will go up and down. So if I think I'm a... If I'm a six and I view you as an eight, um, it's going to change how I, how I relate to you, right? I, I might try to puff myself up and, and pretend to be uh, something that I'm not so that you think that I'm also an eight or maybe a nine. Hmm. Um, if, if, you're, um, if I see myself as a two, I might think, you know what? I'm really not worth anything. So... Why bother learning new information? Why bother growing? Why, why have a growth mindset like Carol DeWick talks about? I'm just going to have my fixed mindset. This is just who I am. I'm, I'm always the guy that makes the mistakes. I'm always the guy that gets the short end of the stick. You know, and, and when, we, when we operate from that perspective, you know, how do we enter into our marriages? We don't. You know, how do we parent our kids? How do we lead our employees or work well with our with our coworkers? All of that shifts based on our on our personal worth. So for me, that is the the fundamental key issue. Uh, it's what drives my speaking career. It drives my coaching and my books. It's helping people not only see but stand on their intrinsic value, so they can experience more freedom, deeper connection and greater productivity in a nutshell yeah <laughs> is um is there anything that you are um or what are you gifted at that you're thankful for besides the obvious things like skills and juggling and so forth but just anything related to your um you know, personality or person that you you know you're just thankful that by the way about the way God has made you and gifted you in certain ways. I I feel like he's he's uh, he's gifted me with with creativity, um, with with the ability to listen and and curiosity, and I'm really thankful for that because I. I really enjoy sitting down one-on-one with somebody and asking them questions and learning more about who they are and what, what their passions are. Um, I, growing up, <laughs> I thought these were, these were character defects. You know, uh, there, was a, 
there's a lot of examples out there of what it what it meant to be a man, and those examples uh, said you don't listen, you don't ask questions, um, you tell people what's going on, and uh, you're very loud, and you're you're not interested in in emotions. <laughs> you don't show your emotions, and um, and it's all about performance. And I thought, well, shoot, <laughs> I am I am aware of what I'm feeling, and I can usually pick that up in other people. That's not that's not manly. That's a that's a defect. You know, I like talking. Well, that's that's a defect. <laughs> you know, you're supposed to go out and and love to to hunt. I don't like hunting. That's a defect. You know, and so I grew up thinking that there was so much wrong with me and that I was lacking stuff. It's not. It wasn't until just in the, the last decade that I started shifting that perspective and going, you know what, I, I don't think God made a mistake when he put me together. And, oh, look, these things that, that I'm naturally drawn to, <laughs> those aren't defects. We can actually use those to, to help and serve other people. So now I've looked at them as, as strengths, and, and I try to, to grow them. I mean, they're... They they come at they come at me here, but I can either grow and nurture them, or I can just let them sort of fade away. And so now I'm I'm actively trying to grow those areas of my life. Yeah. And what's your most productive time of the day? After my kids are in bed. Oh, in the evenings. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's your? Do you have a particular routine during that time? No, no, <laughs> my my kids are uh, at the time of this recording uh, ten and seven, so uh, our life is is pretty pretty full and varied. Yeah. <laughs> um, if I can, after we get the kids out off to school, I like to spend time in the Word, uh, spend time reading. Uh, lines that remind me of how God sees me and how God defines and describes himself um, and reminding myself of my own personal vision and, and mission and my values. When I can do that, it helps set the foundation for the rest of my day. Uh, when I don't do that, I often find that, that I struggle more, not only professionally, but, but personally as well. Mm-hmm. So... If I if I need to if I need to get back on track, I usually look to my to my morning, uh, what do you want to call it? Morning tradition, morning ritual, uh, morning habits. And if and if those things are missing, if I can get those things back in, usually the other things start to level out. I see. And then then I would say my most productive time of the day would be uh, late morning because the kids are in late morning during the winter <laughs> when the kids are in school. And it's quiet at the house, and I can and I can focus. Have you ever read the book uh, "Men Are Like Waffles, Women Are Like Spaghetti"? I no, I haven't heard of that one. <laughs> it, it, it's a phenomenal book, and I I, I think we can take it beyond uh, the gender definition that they use in the book. But I am definitely a waffle. Like I'm, I can go really deep in one box. But if you if I'm deep in one box and you ask me to to come out of my work box and then start talking about social <laughs> social plans or you ask me to talk about 
uh, what's got what's got to be done with the house or what's going on with the kids. Um, I, I I don't I don't easily move between box and box and box unless I'm just going to stay very surface. But if you give me some time, I I go deep and 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 I really enjoy that. So uh, so whenever I can work <laughs> in a quiet environment with no distractions. Um, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I often ask people if they could go back to some <clears throat> earlier period in their life and tell themselves something that they wish they understood then, like what point would Ooh. they go back and what would they say? So anyway, do you have any thoughts about that? Uh, well, the sooner I could learn the lesson that I, I have value just because I've been created and, and I'm alive, uh, I, I think the better. My, my life would take an earlier trajectory. So I would, I'd go back to early Jeff and say, you know what? No, you're good. You don't have to impress anybody. Just show up. Just yeah. show up. Um, I would tell my younger self, it's okay to, to ask for help. Um, even when you're out speaking on something, you can still ask for help about that particular topic. You'll never know everything. Uh, and that comes from another lesson that I learned, uh, that it's not, it's not about being the best juggler, best comedian, best business owner. Uh, it's about showing up to give and, and receive. Hmm. Uh, I used to think, no, I have to be the best juggler in the world. Or I have to be the best actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when, when you have that mindset, then it makes it all about you. And it's all about you showing off. And, and it really cuts out, in the performing world, the relationship with the audience. And so you stop listening to them. Uh, and you've turned the audience into objects that you have to manipulate in such a way that they laugh and applaud and and people hire you again right uh but this uh this magician friend that i met i don't know 15 15 plus years ago he said you know jeff it's not about that that was a that was a pivotal uh moment for me because it allowed me to show up and listen more to the crowd and recognize that i had something uh to learn and experience just as much as they did whether they were in the audience or on stage with me or backstage putting it all together so i think those three things your your intrinsic value um it's not about being the best it's about showing up Uh, along with the intrinsic value piece recognizing that when you see that you know you want to invest in yourself you want to read more you want to learn you want to grow and that excellence comes from that uh, in a way that's more sustaining and more fulfilling than if excellence is the end goal. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, like if it's the end goal, it's like you might do it and you think, oh, I pulled it off that time, but you're not, you're not sure about the next time. Whereas if you're building your up your own person, then it's a more of a solid, sustained thing. Is that kind of along the lines of what you're yeah. saying? Okay. Yeah. If it, if it's all about the excellence, then you then you miss the process leading up to it, hmm. and so there's there's a whole bunch of lessons here, and there's a whole bunch of joy to be experienced along the way, and but if your focus is just on the end product, then you're going to miss a lot of the nuances along along the road. Uh, not to mention you're going to put everything into this one piece, and then when that piece is over, what do you do next? Hmm. 
Right. You know, so like like what you're talking about, building that foundation. If you work on yourself, then then this becomes self-sustaining. You hit that goal, you hit that level of excellence, and then you keep going. And then you hit another level of excellence either in this project or further down the road here or, you know, it, it's, I think it's healthier. Mm-hmm. Um, in acting, we talk about <laughs> how you should enjoy the audition. Hmm. Most actors will audition hundreds of times before they get in a get an actual gig so if you're all about landing the commercial or the film or the tv show or the play uh, you're gonna have to take a lot of hits along the way before you finally enjoy your work Mm -hmm. but if you shift your perspective and you look at um (laughs) if you look at the audition process as actual fulfillment of what you want to do you want to perform in front of other people well the audition process you're performing in front of the casting director or the producer uh, or the director sometimes like that's what you want to do you are doing it mm-hmm. and enjoy that there's there's a lot of fun just to be had in in that moment mm-hmm. and then then when the when the gig comes it's it's gravy yeah you know related to this topic of personal worth is um you know, doing things out of fear, and I can just look at my own life and just think, I've really beat myself up a lot because of doing something out of fear, um, like fear of whatever, like I wasn't, I needed to do more, or um, fear of something would happen um, if I didn't have more control of it, or something along those lines, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you should talk more about that, or about the fear piece. About the fear? Yeah. <clears throat> well, um, yeah, I, I can give you like, a, a, and and that's kind of related to like um, maybe having uh, something in your life that's too important. You know, like if rather than being satisfied in God and what he might, what he gives, um, kind of grasping for other things um, like... Um, you know as as far as the fear type of thing you know there's there was a time where i was doing being a wedding photographer and it was just a really provided a really nice income for my family and it was really flexible and stuff i thought that i kind of feared what other people thought you know it was kind of like being the you know the pastor who only works on sunday you know (laughs) well here i was the wedding photographer i only work on saturday you know which is not true for me or the pastor you know right but um I thought I needed to do more, so I um, um, thought, well, I need to build a lab in my basement, and uh, so I'm developing my own work. So I'm not only doing the photography, but I'm doing the printing and everything. And that was the only time in my business that I went into um, debt, and it was just credit card debt, but in order to build something, and it it never did work out, but I kind of realized my um, motivations were, um, you know, because I was... Uh, concerned about other people's impression of me. So that's um, ah. just one example. Um, another is like, uh, go ahead, were you going to say something? Well, growing up in the divine science faith, um, it talked about how there was no separation between us and God. It, it, it talked about how the only reason that you're, you're lacking something was because your, your perception was 
was not a, in alignment with with reality. And so, growing up in that environment, fear really didn't play in. It was like there was a lot of confidence that came out of that. You know, if you want to do something, go go do that. You have it all within you. You're 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 connected to the source. Go. And so. It, it, it was initially difficult for me to reconcile uh, how I had seen that play out in my life with my newfound in the past with my newfound Christian faith early on. Like I didn't I didn't know how to fix fit that together. Hmm. But uh, I, I would say for me, it, it's always been uh, scrap the the mattress concept. You know, <laughs> what's the joke? My mom wanted me to be a uh, uh, a mattress salesman, so I always had something to fall back on, you know. Uh, you know, I, I I grew up without a plan B. It was, what do you want to do? You want to be an actor? Great, go, figure that out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I started taking photos of of my kids when they were younger, and I thought, oh well, learning more about photography and becoming a photographer would make me better in my films. So then we just go create a photography business. The the for me the the fear wasn't there because i felt like you know if you if you grabbed it and you committed to it uh you'll you'll find a way to make it work or or you'll make course adjustments uh along the way mm-hmm. uh, so so fear didn't really come into play for me with when it comes to career uh fear for me definitely screams on the dance floor <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I can't, I can't stand that. I'm glad that this is a private podcast. <laughs> it's not going public. But, uh, you know, fear that, fear that I'm, I'm never going to be known, truly known, or, or accepted for who I am, uh, I think gets in the way a lot for me mm-hmm. it, it doesn't it doesn't mess with my with with my ability to say okay yeah we'll go we're gonna shut down a 20-year entertainment career and and dive into uh, individual coaching and leadership coaching and and executive consulting and 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 writing books like that just that that i, I i'm very confident in but this other stuff that that's tricky and and that fear shuts me down and and drives my decision making when I forget who I am when I forget that God loves me when I forget that I do have value when I forget that in the middle of all of this stuff God is still pursuing and still providing and and still loves me for me even when I mess it up mm-hmm. yeah well Jeff what would you like the next 10 years of your life to look like for you <laughs> the next 10 years um, I love performing and I think that there's a lot of value in in laughter uh, I want to do that less and I'm hoping that God is <laughs> God is in agreement with this if he's not he'll show me and we'll we'll go a different direction but um, I would love to speak more and help more people see and stand on their value uh, I think I think that would make for a much better workplace a much better uh, 
city to live in uh, when we see that not only in ourselves but in others. Um, so my hope is that God will continue to open up doors to, to speak, uh, open up more doors for, for coaching, both individual and, and uh, leadership development. Uh, the, the book, Blueprint for Value, is the first in a series of six. So we have five more books coming out in that series. Wow. And then I've got uh, three other books that I want to write after that. So I'm hoping that in 10 years, all of those will be out. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, more time with my wife and my kids. And uh, yeah, well, I guess in 10 years, they should all be out of high school. So that'd be great. <laughs> That'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jeff, for the time. It's been uh, just enjoyable for me. It's been instructive, something I'm going to look forward to going back over and listening to again. So anyway, I really appreciate it. Well, thanks for the time. And, I, you know, and I, I, I just can't reemphasize, if, if, if somebody's listening to this podcast, my hope is that their one takeaway is that they have value apart from what they do, apart from you, you listening right now. You have value outside of your achievements, your circumstances, your mistakes, uh, who you're married to or not, whether you have kids or not, no matter where you live, no matter what you own. Like you, me, we all have this value that we cannot lose, cannot be lost, cannot be increased. And the more that we can remind ourselves of that, it's habit 52, hashtag wash your brain every day. Reminding ourselves of that truth uh, can lead to greater freedom, deeper connection, and, and, and greater productivity. Um, but that, that does not happen on its own. You have to be uh, intentional with that. And, and I believe that intentionality comes from from four basic things spending time in the word spending time praying spending time in fellowship and spending time with people that can help hold us accountable to what we believe if you if you don't uh, agree with my beliefs then uh, spend time in truth spend time in meditation fellowship and and accountability Uh, and then we can talk about other stuff later (laughs) thank you so much for having me on your podcast it's been fun oh thanks